following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. What's going on, Christian Life family? Hey, we hope you're doing great tonight. Listen, tonight's going to be a really fun night, and we're, we're excited. Really, our hope is that, that you enjoy tonight as much as we've enjoyed uh, putting our thoughts together on this topic. And I'm not sure if you know everybody sitting at these. These may be complete strangers to you. If they are strangers to you, chances are good that you've never been to church here because these are some of the most phenomenal people that I personally know. Our our senior pastor, Rex Johnson, at the end, everybody at the house, give him a hand. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo. Okay, good. And then his amazing wife, Patty Johnson, right here, the lovely Sweet Pea. We love you, Sweet Pea. And then the most incredible woman I've ever met in my life, my wife, Cassidy. I love you, babe. She's got... Listen... Don't listen to anything that I say tonight. This girl got some wisdom, I'm telling you. And we're really excited to dive into a fun topic tonight. Um, really, I don't know that we talk about it a ton um, at church, so I think this will be an incredible conversation. And here's what our hope is, is that as you're on your couch, as you're around your kitchen table, that you will lean into the conversation. And you'll, you'll, your heart will be open, your ears and your mind will be open to what God might speak to you on the topic of legacy. Legacy. How, how do you build a legacy? How do, you, how do you leave a legacy? How do you make your mark on this world or, or make your mark in your family? That, that's what this whole idea of legacy really is. And I want to take you to the Word of God as we begin our time together this evening and, and read from Psalm 112. And we're going to start with with verse 1. I think it's so applicable to the topic that we're diving into tonight. And it says this, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children, right? We're talking about legacy. Their children will be successful everywhere. And an entire generation of godly people will be blessed. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. That's what happens to the generations to come. And if I'm reading this correctly, Pastor, and you can, you can correct me if I'm not, but in my mind it's saying that, listen, we can obtain all the earthly wealth that we want to, yeah. Yeah. but if we're not imparting the values and the, the godly values to the next generation, to the yes. people coming up, to our children, our families, then personally, I've got more work to do. I've failed at, at my job. If I'm here at the church and we're making disciples throughout the church building, but I'm not making disciples at home, then I haven't done my job. So we're we're talking about leaving a legacy. Now, now verse number three, and I'll move quickly here, continues to say that they themselves will be wealthy. Their good deeds, this is so powerful, will last forever. They are generous. Come on, how many of you want to leave a legacy where your offspring and the next generation is generous, compassionate, and righteous, which which means to be set apart by God? Last verse. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Wow, what a legacy. So as we dive into the topic of legacy, and let me just tell you, if you haven't started thinking about this, some of you may have not given this any time of day to think about your legacy. Let me tell you, it's not too late. Wherever you are in life, whatever stage of life that you're in, you can start thinking about building and leaving your legacy right now. And, And I can't tell you how imperative 
the idea of your legacy really is and how, how important this conversation is. And, and I, don't mean to, I don't mean to be morbid tonight, but the last time I checked, um, everyone watching tonight, in, including us, there's going to be a time, unless the Lord comes and takes us home, where we will exhale on this earth and we'll inhale on streets of gold. And so when that day comes, right, it's coming for all of us. Yes. When that day comes... What will be said about you and what will be said about me? So how, how do we say and how do we live in such a way that says my life mattered, right? That what I did, but, but even more than that, let me, let me say it this way. How, how does it matter when I'm walking the streets of gold and the people that, that I had a chance to impact, how does my life matter to them? How can I live in such a way that my values and my principles that I lived by, how can they outlive me? Legacy. And so there's a lot of aspects to this conversation. I want to yes. open this up to the three of you. Um, what, is, what is legacy? When you hear that term, what jumps off the page? And Cass, we'll start with you. Share with us a little bit about what legacy means to you. Yes, so legacy to me, when I hear that word, to me it means living your life in a way that you're thinking of the end. Yeah. You have that in mind. Like what's going to live on after I'm gone? That's legacy to me. You know, I found there was a poll taken of 195-year-olds, and these are people that are closer to the end, you know, than we are, and so there's so much wisdom there, right? There's so much life that was lived in, in 95 years, and so they asked these 95-year-olds, what would you do different if you could do it all over again? And they narrowed it down to three things that were the most commonly said, and the three things that they said, number one, they would risk more, they would take more chances. They would go for it. And I love that. That is something that we all need to hear. They would risk more. Number two, they would reflect more. That means stopping, pausing, and reflecting. And I love that because so many times, many of us have more miracles than we can count, right? We have more miracles than we can count. The problem is we don't take the time to count them. You know, we, we focus on the issues, the problems, the stress of life. If we would just stop and count the miracles in our life, it would blow us away at all that God has done. And the third thing, and this is really, really big, is they would do more things that would live on after they were gone. And I think that is the most important thing, that they want their life to keep on living even after they're gone. I, you know, are we willing to strengthen the next generation that's following us? Are we willing to do that? Are we passing the baton, you know, in strength? Or are we fumbling that in handing that off to them? You know, it, it's been said, it's not the duration of your life, it's the donation of your life and what you've given. And, you know, what can I do now that will impact someone else forever? What can I do? To me, that's legacy. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. Um, yeah, there seems, even early on, there seems to be a common theme about outliving. You know, how can your life outlive yes. you? Yes. Um, and I, I love that. Pastor, would you share a little bit with us about legacy and what it means to you? Well, uh, Patty and I just kind of 
broke it down, Pastor Brad, to that line right there. Live a life that will outlive you. That's legacy. Live a life that lives longer than you do. Uh, author Max Licata wrote a book, and he, he tells a story of an old sea captain who landed his ship on an island inhabited by natives who were happy and healthy, and it was a sharp contrast to the inhabitants of the nearby islands that he had landed on. And shortly after he arrived on the island, the captain began hearing miraculous stories of a certain missionary named Father Benjamin, to whom the islanders attributed success and good health and happiness. And the captain asked to be taken to see where the father lived. And the chief nodded and signaled for two tribesmen to follow, and they guided the captain through an expansive medical clinic, a school, rich irrigated fields, and finally a chapel located high on a mountaintop. Is this where Father Benjamin lives, the captain asked. I would like to speak with him. And the chief and the natives suddenly became serious. That's impossible, said the chief. Father Benjamin died many years ago. Bewildered, the captain said, I asked where Father Benjamin lives, and you showed me a clinic, a school, rich fields, yeah. and a chapel. You told me nothing about his death. That's true, the chief responded, but you didn't ask us about his death. You asked to show us to show you where he lives, and we showed you where wow. he wow. lives. so good. That, my friend, is... Is legacy. That's yeah. legacy. It's having something to do in your life that will outlive your life that somebody can grab onto like a rope of hope and go higher than they ever thought they could achieve in their life. That's what legacy is wow. to us. Yeah, yeah in, in true Pastor Johnson fashion, he makes a very difficult concept come alive and make it so, so real and applicable. That, that's that's Love amazing. That. That's, Love that's, that. That's legacy. Patty, what about you? Share with us yeah, a little bit. I think uh, legacy is when you live your life in such a way that the world is glad you did. Yeah. Wow. That's that good. you've yeah. made a contribution. Yeah. Your life was yeah. not just a take-up space life. It was a life that contributed something valuable and needed and helpful to the world. And legacy, you know, when you look up the definition, it's, it talks about leaving behind wealth or inheritance or things like that. And it is that, sure. but it's much, much more than that. And that's what we're really kind of talking about tonight is more than the material goods. It's le leaving behind a legacy of a life well lived that will spur the next generation on to another life yes. well lived. Yes. Yeah, legacy, I think if we're not careful, um, can be confused with, with just monetary goods or... Right. Or becoming famous, so famous that people know your name because of the deeds that you did that, that really didn't mean anything. But, but to me, that's not necessarily what it is. No. For, for no. me, and, and this was instilled in me by my family, that, that living a legacy life is all about living a life that honors God. Yes. And, and, I'll, and passing that down to my children. And really, legacy is not an event no. Right. It's no. a lifestyle. It's a like, I choose yes. to wake up every day saying, listen, I'm going to live out my legacy right now. I'm going to do today what I want people to know about me when I breathe my last so breath right. on this so earth. Good. It's not an event, right. but it's a lifestyle. And, you know, I think back over the Word of God, and it blows my mind to read 
the passages of Scripture. And here we sit in the 21st century, but today, all over the world, there's billions of people who are, who are passionately in love with Jesus. And it's because over 2,000 years ago, a handful of ordinary, common yes. followers of Jesus lived their life, listen, in such a way that their faith lived longer than they did. And the gospel would be taken to the uttermost parts of the world and our life as we know it, the world would be forever changed because there was a few people and they didn't know, they didn't know what the outcome was. They didn't know what tomorrow held. They hadn't read the end of the book at that point, right? Like, like we have the privilege of, but they took a chance and they said, listen, there's, I just know that I know that this is the right thing to do. And I'm going to live in such a way that my faith is going to outlive me. And what an amazing thing. If that's said about us, right church, wouldn't you be happy if your kids said that about you, that, that their, their children and yes. their children were followers of Jesus because you took a step and said, I'm going to serve him with everything that I have. They, I guess really, they took the step of faith to say, I'm going to invest in something. I'm going to believe in something right. that is bigger than me, right? right? It's right. Not, just, not just me and what I can do and what I can get, but I'm going to invest in something so much bigger than me. And so if I can bottom line it, Patty, you're so good at this, but I'm going to steal the bottom line from you if you'll allow me. Um, A life lived for ourselves is so uninspiring, and in fact, it it dies with us. But a life lived for others goes beyond us, and it touches the lives of other people even after we're gone. And so uh, I want us to kind of talk about this, living and living a life that touches others even after they're gone. And, and Patty, I know that you have recently walked through a, um, just a whirlwind of a situation in your own life. And I think that your wisdom from this can help a lot of people. Can you share a little bit about what you walked through recently? Yeah, uh, you know, most of you probably know that we lost my mother back in December. And it was pretty unexpected. Uh, she, was, uh, she was 86 years old, but... Um, we really weren't expecting this to happen at that time. And um, probably it's been six uh, six months today, actually. It's been six months today. And um, in those six months' time, my brothers and I have taken care of all of her uh, earthly possessions. Uh, We've sold her house. We've sold her car. We've distributed her furniture, her clothing, We've all taken things that we wanted, and um, in a nutshell, her life has just folded up in a neat little box and put a ribbon on it, and it's done. Uh, it, it's it's weird to say it that way yeah. that that yeah. you know a life of eighty six years is in six months' time. We've paid all of our bills. We've handled everything. It's it's we're now done with her earthly goods. But only eternity will tell the legacy that she left in my heart, in my spirit, in my soul. Her mother put it in her, and she put it in me, and I put it in my kids, and now their kids. And you can't sum that up. You can't can't, uh, put a price tag on that. There is no price tag for that. 
she didn't leave us a lot of wealth and riches. No, not at all. But memories and, and things that you can't, they're priceless. You cannot put a tag on them. That's legacy. That's yes. a legacy of a life well lived that was for others. It was not, she never, she was so selfless and, and lived for us, lived for her church, lived for other people. And I, we can't, you're not going to box that up and put that on a shelf. Right. It's forever. It lives on yes. and it will continue to live on for generations. That's the legacy that I want to leave in my family. Pastor Brett, um, I got to thinking when we were putting this together, and, and this wasn't an original uh, thing that I was going to talk about, but there is a man that has been a member of Christian Life Austin for a number of years that just passed away last Saturday, our first loss to COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic and, and, the, and, the, and the virus. And, and uh, David Pena was a leader of men and women. He was a leader. He was a leader. But his, his, his legacy started very uniquely, and I, I want to describe it as quickly as I can, but David Pena was in prison for some petty crimes that he had committed, and I'll tell this at his funeral. It's going to be next Tuesday. His funeral is going to be right here at the church at 10 o'clock next Tuesday. And, and David was in, was in prison, incarcerated, and he was being picked on by a gang, and especially a gang leader was, was really beaten down on David and hurting David and, and uh, he had been beaten up a few times and so David decided that he would make a shank he would make a shank and he, he, he got his stuff together and he, he created a sharp edge and he put that shank uh, up his sleeve and he was going to go to the shower and going to take this man's life and kill him and take him out and as he was getting ready to leave his cell, he had an old man in his cell that was there with him. And this is David's story to me, and I tell it to you. He said, David, you don't want to do that. He said, you're going to be out of this place in less than a year. But if you do that, you'll be here for the rest of your life. And you'll never be able to influence people because you're an influencer. And David was talked out of that act of violence went and did his duty that day, what he was supposed to do in the prison. And he did get out in less than a year. He found the Lord. He gave his heart to the Lord. And when David Pena died in Austin, Texas, many years ago, he was dubbed in this town the man of faith. The man of faith. David Pena was known as a man so great with faith that he could turn lives around. And so what David did... First time I ever ate with him, he told me this. He said, Pastor, I asked God for transitional homes. He said, don't ever call them a halfway house, Pastor. It's yeah. transitional yeah. homes. Yeah. When people get out of incarceration, when they come out of prison, I am here to help them. And so I put them in these houses. I help find them jobs. They pay their rent. They get back into society. And they be able to, they're able to come to a church. And he brought them all right here. And I can promise you, in the years that that man lived for God in this church, he ran probably 150 people through this congregation mm -hmm. into a society, saved, water baptized, yes. and some of them are yes. still in this yes. house tonight. David Pena wasn't a mother, but he was an inmate with a shank in his hand to take somebody's life 
that God turned around and he turned people's lives around for the Lord. That is what you call (laughs) legacy. That's a legacy. And how many people will show up next Tuesday? How many people will rise up every morning and say, if it had not been for David Pena, I would have never come in contact with the Lord and I would never have gotten to a place in God that I could see myself as a success in life. But I'm a success today because one man decided to rise up and say, I will make a difference. I love that. I love that. That's his story, but I get to tell it. And it's an awesome story, Pastor Brad. It's an awesome story. Dad, I love that you just said that because I think what's so important is that we understand that legacy is for everyone. Yes. It's for everyone. No one is exempt from this conversation. And when I say that, what I mean is I am grateful and blessed to have a legacy of the two of you and grandparents that have an amazing legacy and that I'm, I'm the beneficiary of that. I'm grateful for that. But guess what? It's on my shoulders now. Right. Whatever I do with it matters. I have to carry that. But if you come from a family that doesn't have great legacy, you're, you're starting from square one. Guess what? Your hand's to the plow too. We both have to put our hand to the plow and go to work to create that legacy. It, it's not just given. I got I to gotta continue that. And so legacy is for everyone. No one is exempt from it. It's never just given. You carry the burden as well. If, it, if it's given, you've got to carry it on. You've got to carry it on. And so I love that. Yeah, that, that's so good. And legacy can change in one generation. Yes. Like you were yes. saying, it can start with you. And I read something interesting uh, recently, and I, I want to share it with you uh, this evening. It, historians and sociologists ha, have studied for years, and they've noticed a common trend, and it's called, it's called the problem of the third generation. And basically what they found is that it's incredibly difficult to pass. Listen, it's not easy. It's very difficult to pass anything from the first generation down to the third generation. It's difficult to pass wealth. It's difficult to pass faith or values or or pass a business. In fact, Harvard Business Review wrote an article that said only only 10% of family businesses survived the third generation. Wow. Wow. It's just, it's not easy to do. It doesn't happen by accident. In fact, there's a joke in the business world that says this, the first generation starts the business, the second one runs the business, and the third one ruins the business. (laughs) Wow. It's it's difficult. It's not... It's not easy, yes. and nobody, the Bible doesn't tell us that, that having an amazing legacy and passing that on is going to be easy. In fact, I, I think anybody that's done it would tell you that it, it's not easy, but it's probably one of the most rewarding things that they've ever done looking back on their life. And so, so I guess, let me say it this way, if we do not intentionally that, that's the key word. If we don't intentionally give the next generation the right things, whether that's your, your morals and your values and your, your biblical standing, right? If we don't give them the right things, if we don't intentionally do it, we'll accidentally give them the wrong things. Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> right. so good. What a travesty that would be to get to the end of our life and look back and say, wow, yeah. 
I wasn't intentional. And by accident, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't didn't want to instill the wrong values and the wrong morals in my children. Or or listen, wherever you are, I know we're talking from a a church leadership perspective, but it applies to whatever business you are in. That I I didn't instill the right values for my company. And it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to. So I want to open the floor up to the three of you on on this topic. And and maybe you can give us some practical ways um, that that you have been intentional uh, raising your families or or in in the business world. So, Cassidy, let's start with you. Talk to us a little bit in, in our family, some of the ways that you've been really intentional about raising our children and some things that you've done. Yes, and, and know that when I say this, many times we think legacy, you have to be perfect, and it's perfection, but it's not. It's being consistent, and it's the little things. I think we need to take that pressure off and the burden off and just say it's just being consistent, and consistency is the key. And so just some tangible things that I have done as a mother, you know, I'm raising three young children, um, nine, six, and four. So there are things that I want to create that God culture in my home because it starts now. They're never too young. And so things that we do, we have a chalkboard in our kitchen. And beginning of this year, I said, I really want to be very intentional in putting the word in my children. And so I have found 12 scriptures, and every month we wipe the chalkboard clean, and I put a new scripture up. And at dinner, that's many times what we're reviewing, and just committing to learning scripture and putting that in them now, memory verses, you know, letting them see me pray, which, hey, that keeps me accountable, right? That keeps me on my knees. I want them to hear me praying for them. I want them to hear, hear me praying for my husband and for our church. I want them to see me reading the Bible and my devotions. Again, that's keeping me accountable as a mother. I want to have praise and I'm having praise and worship music on in our home where my kids walk around, you know, not even realizing it, but they're singing, you know, the song we just sang on Sunday, Rattle. I love hearing my kids sing that song, but that's intentional. I'm trying to do that. You know, when we talk about the church, Brad and I have committed to always ch- talking about the church in a positive light, in a, in a, in a happy way. You know, not, not, we're not grudgingly talking about the church, but we're excited to be in the house of God. And guess what? We're going to be here when the doors are open, making sure we're consistent in that. Having God conversations around the dinner table, and maybe that's the starting point for many people, just getting yourself around a dinner table you know, on a nightly basis or whatever your week looks like, getting yourself in those kinds of atmospheres and conversations. You know, for our nine-year-old right now, it's been conversations at bedtime. I don't know if it's delaying bedtime or what, but that's that's, the time that I'm the the most tired. Absolutely. He wants to talk, but that's the time when his little mind is running and he wants to ask questions about life. And I think that 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 came from my parents. There was always open communication and no question was off limits. And I think that is so important in creating legacy. You know, during COVID, I think we have learned the promises of God more than ever. But I think, if anything, we need to learn to lean on the promises of God. 
Right now is the time to lean on it and to model it for our children because this, this is a stressful time. And how we model and how we handle our stress is being viewed and it's being seen by our family. You know, do you, so many times we have a vision for our finances. We have a vision for our job. But do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision? Preach. Do you have a vision for that, your personal walk with God? You've got to have a vision. It is so important. And I love this, and I'll, and I'll end with this. Mother Teresa had a quote that has spoke volumes to me, that God has not called me to be successful. He has called me to be faithful. And right now in this season of my life, this is where I'm being called to be consistent with these three young souls. And so that's where I am. That's the tangible things that I'm doing to pass on legacy. And y'all listen, she does it good. I'm telling y'all, I'm blessed with the (laughs) best. She sure does. (laughs) And I can (laughs) can echo a lot of what she said uh, in raising children and, um, Making making God not a scary uh, monster that's going to strike yes, you down. Yes, you know that He yes. is our friend, and encouraging your family to have their own relationship with Jesus. That's so important, and that they can go to Him and teaching them to pray. But like you said, Brad, all of this is intentional. You don't just accidentally bump into successful. So uh, well-rounded so kids. They are, there's so some intention good. going on in there in their raisings. And it just doesn't accidentally wake up one day and I don't know how we got here, but, you know, we're all doing pretty good. How did that happen? <laughs> it's, you know, you've got to make intentional and consistency, Cassidy, like you said, is the key. Uh, you don't have to have perfection. No. And I think a lot of times we put that pressure on ourselves, and when we don't get it right and we don't get it perfect, we just throw it all away. Yeah. And so what's the use? I can't do it right. And then we also just think that everything has to be um, look viewed upon as being the house that is perfect, and it's not. It's just being intentional about what you teach your children, what you live in front of them. That is probably wow, yeah. the biggest so thing. Good. Because you can preach the Bible to somebody all day long, but if you don't live it, then it's off or not. And they say you're uh, more is caught than taught, and they're watching. And so you've got to intentionally live your life so that there can be a legacy left behind. When you're long gone, it can be said of you, she raised those kids right. She was real. She was not pretending. She was not putting on something that she wasn't. She was the real deal. And it's very much intentional, and it makes it sound like maybe it's not real, that it's more fake. It's not. No, it's just no. that I'm purposefully. If you have yes. a goal of doing something, you have to figure out your plan to get to that goal. Yes. And if you have a goal of raising good, healthy children, my goal was always that they were not just healthy physically. I wanted them to be healthy mentally, healthy yeah. spiritually. Then you've got to make steps to make that happen, and you've yes. got to have a plan and you got to be intentional about it. Yeah, that, that's amazing, and preach. I can't tell you. Yeah, preach, that's right. Preach, preach. What you ladies just said, I'm telling you, is helping Beautiful. so many people right now. So Beautiful. thank you for, for sharing. And, Pastor, they just talked about the family dynamic. Would you take a moment and talk more from a leadership, perhaps, or a business perspective on this as well? I will. Uh, 
I have been telling, I've been telling the guys around the office this week about a lady named Clara Booth Luce, and Brad's laughing, because she's impacted my life. Yeah. In 1962, she was one of the first women to serve in the U.S. Congress in 1962, and she offered some advice to then-President John F. Kennedy. She told him, a great man is a sentence. It's a sentence. She said Abraham, sentence Link, uh, Abraham Lincoln's sentence was he preserved the Union and freed mankind. She said Franklin Roosevelt's sentence was he lifted us out of a Great Depression and helped us win a world war. And then Luce feared that Kennedy's attention was so splintered among different priorities that his sentence uh, risked becoming a muddled paragraph. And so she questioned him one day and said, what is your sentence? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people like the woman that I read about that went into a, a, a store, a gift shop, a card shop, uh, and met a woman named Lila Moore. And the young woman came one day and spent several hours looking through the book of a wedding of wedding invitations. And finally, she selected just the right one. And she filled out the forms and put an order in so that the invitation to her wedding might come in time. And two weeks later, the phone rang, and Lila answered it, and it was the same young woman calling. And she asked, is it too late to make a few changes to my invitations to the wedding? And Lila said, well, I have to check with the printer and see if he's done your order yet. Why don't you tell me what you want changed, and I'll call you back. And here's how some people live their life. Okay, said the young woman. It's a different date. It's a different church. And it's a different guy. <laughs> so so here's, here's the deal. Here's the whole deal about this intentional stuff. We have had so many fabulous young pastors come through here. And uh, we laugh and we learn. And I've always believed that there's more caught than taught. And there's more felt than telt. And I believe that. But when Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7 about a man, a foolish man that built his house on the sand. And a wise man that built his house on the rock. He talked about having the right foundation. And I've got to build on the right foundation. You can't build on yourself. You have to build on Jesus Christ. He is the rock. He is the rock. Everything else is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock, we will stand. And so I believe, I believe that this church and the young ministers that's come through this church and the people that call this church their home have understood that we preach the Christ of the book. The Bible is Jesus Christ, and we preach him here. And then the second thing we have to understand is that every piece, every piece of what we do is important. In other words, there's no off days. There's no days where you say, I think I can just slack today. I think I can just relax today and slack. Every day has to be prescribed and pointed and directed and fulfilled. Every day. You cannot take a day off when you're leading people to Christ, you cannot. You, you have to be good when you're on your off day. You have, you're going to meet people. Every morning I get up, I say, God, let me meet somebody today that I can lead to you. So I can't have an off day. Yeah. Now, that does not mean I live under pressure. But everything matters when you are doing what we do here at Christian Life Church. Everything matters. Oh, it's so it's kind of like the little nail on a roof one day that said, you know what? I'm not important. So I think I'll just dis 
dismember myself from the roof and the little nail came out of the roof and went down to the gutter and rolled to the ground and it wasn't long before a wind came and blew the shingle away that that little nail was holding then it wasn't long till the sheeting that was underneath the 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 shingle all of a sudden got wet by my rain and then all of a sudden there was a hole and there was a leak and then there was a downpour and the house had all kinds of damage because one little thing went unnoticed and said, you know what, I don't matter. Let's, let me tell you something. Every nail, every nail in your home matters. Yes. Every small thing you do matters. Every time that you raise your voice when you shouldn't raise your voice. Every time that you grumble when you should be being happy. Every time the little things happen in your life, it takes away from the motivation of where you're headed in your legacy with people. And then the last thing, the last thing, you have to invest in the things that last. Yes. And people last. Right. People last. One of my greatest desires is that everybody that's come through this church, everybody, does greater in their work than we have done in this work. Because we want our people that have passed through here and sat in the congregation where you sit, and listen to the gospel and preach the gospel here and sing the gospel here will leave and do better things. Jesus even had that thing in his life. He said, greater works yeah. than these shall you do because yes. I'm going to the Father and you're going to do greater things. Jesus said, we're going to do greater. So why would it be that we would hope people do less? We must see our legacy be propelled and propelled and propelled to greater, greater heights every day that yeah. we live. Yeah. I love you. Let's go forward and let's make legacy intentional. And that's so yeah, good. So wow. Good. So good. All three of y'all just dropped some major uh, wisdom nuggets about being <laughs> intentional. My goodness. And you know, the problem with being intentional is that there's something that gets in the way every once in a while. And I, and I can't speak for your generation, pastor, but I'll speak for our generation and even those coming up after us. And I don't know how to say this politely, so <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say it, is that I feel like too often, moms and dads, we bow down at the feet of uh, happiness, yeah. <laughs> of trying to yes. just be, to be happy. And then when we pursue happiness, it's always elusive. You, you can't catch happiness. You, you can try you can try to make as much money as you, as you can, and some of you have, and you, you've made a lot of money, but you realize when you, when you make that, you always want more, right? What you've right, made right. is not enough, or you know the, your spouse isn't making you happy anymore, so we're, I'm going to divorce you, and I'm going to go uh, get myself a spouse that's going to make me happy, only to find out that that spouse had the same flaws as your previous spouse, right? You, happiness is always elusive. It's always, if I had more power, if I had more popularity, if I had more Facebook friends, more Instagram likes, more friends at school, a different car. If you pursue happiness, which a lot of people that I know and, and I see them living that out, you'll never, you'll never obtain it because happiness isn't the goal. Right. Right. No, never has been. Pursuing and pleasing God mm -hmm. 
is the goal. Yes. Right. That is the goal for all of you. You're talking about leaving a legacy. It starts with pursuing and pleasing God. If you live your life in a manner that says, man, I want to please God with everything that I do. And guess what? Happiness and joy yes, and contentment is a byproduct yes. of living a life that pleases Amen. God. So good. That's true. And so, Pastor, I want to ask you this because you have 50 years of ministry under your belt. And it would be easy for you to say, you know what, man, I've done a lot. I've accomplished a lot. We've, man, this church has been blessed. We've sent out a lot of young ministers who are making waves in the world. How do you make it a goal? And not just make it a goal, but walk it out of living a life that pleases God every single day. Can you talk to us a little bit about it? You know, you know, Pastor Brad, you know, I tell stories. <laughs> you do. I'm a storyteller. There's a difference in a storyteller and somebody that doesn't tell the truth. <laughs> All right. This story inspired me a long time ago, and, and I, I want to tell it to close out our, our evening with you today. Way back in 1858, there was a Sunday school teacher in Chicago named Ezra Kimball. And he became interested in the spiritual welfare of a young shoe clerk in his town that worked in a shoe store. So after debating to himself about it, Kimball started down toward Holton's store, shoe store, where the young man worked. And after walking by the store once, Kimball finally mustered up the courage and he went in. And finding the young man in the stockroom, Kimball proceeded to talk to him about his faith. And the shoe clerk Kimball showed much interest in that day was named Dwight L. Moody. Now, if you know anything about preachers, you know Moody was a pretty powerful preacher. Wow. Kimball got through to Moody, and Moody went on to become the greatest Christian evangelist of his day, way back in the 19th century. But this is just the beginning of what God would do through that Sunday school teacher's witness. Watch this legacy. Dwight L. Moody went on to preach a crusade in England and in 1879 awakened the heart of a man named Frederick B. Meyer, a pastor, then of a small church. And Meyer went on to become a renowned theologian. In fact, later Meyer was preaching in Moody School in Northfield, Massachusetts. And a young man on the back row, heard, back row heard Meyer say, If you're not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? Mm. Wow. <laughs> and those words transformed the ministry of another young man, J. Wilbur Chapman. And Wilbur Chapman became a YMCA worker back when the Y was still a religious institution. And among those whom Ch who Chapman recruited to help him in his ministry was a former professional baseball player. A baseball player was a remarkable figure named Billy Sunday. <laughs> Billy Sunday went on to become the greatest evangelist of his generation. Wow. And later, at a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, Billy Sunday so excited a group of local men that they began an ongoing prayer group. And later they engaged an evangelist named Mordecai Ham to come to their town to keep the revival spirit alive. And in the revival with Mordecai Ham, a young man heard the gospel and made his profession of faith. His name, oh, by the way, was Billy Graham. Wow. Billy Graham. Wow. Do you think that that Sunday school teacher 150 years before 
trying to get up his courage to share his faith with a young shoe clerk in Holton Shoe Store, had any idea that his actions would one day touch the millions of life through Dwight L. Moody, Frederick Meyer, Wilbur Chapman, Billy Sunday, Mordecai Ham, and yeah, the great Billy Graham, and anyone else who touched and was touched by the ministry of Billy Graham. What I'm trying to say, you and I think too small. God has imagined greater things for your life and mine than we could ever envision if we will just trust him and live for him. His timetable is not like our timetable. His purposes are greater than our minds can possibly imagine. So what we do every day, we just get up and live that day with intention to say, whatever happens, I am going to leave something behind me that somebody can grab a hold of and maybe, just maybe, get their footing and go on to a higher mountain than I ever dreamed possible in my life. We love you. Pastor Brad, why don't you pray? This is awesome. It's been an awesome night. It's been a great night. And we hope, really, um, that you are building and that you continue to build and live a life of legacy. And I want to close with a passage of Scripture and then pastor's going to pray for us, and then we're, we're, we're going to wrap this bad boy up. But it's a, a passage of Scripture that's very near and dear to my heart, and it's found in Joshua chapter 4. And Joshua needed a miracle. He needed, <laughs> he needed the waters to part. And the Bible says this, And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, the Lord came through. That the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here. Take them out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's foot stood firm. You shall carry them. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you will stay tonight. And then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And this, this is what I want you to catch. That when your children ask in time to come, because they will ask, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Amen. That's good. Amen. Moms and dads, men and women leading businesses in this city, in our state, and across the world. Listen closely. Grab some, some boulders yeah. and put them on your shoulder and build a memorial because your kids, listen, they're going to ask you, Daddy, what, what, is, what has God done? Tell, tell me about this. We go to church every Sunday, but, but I want to know more. And, and when you start building an altar of the things that God has done, you can point back when they ask, and they will ask. Yeah. And you can share with them the goodness 
of God. What a legacy that is. Pastor, would you pray? Thank you, Pastor Brad. And thanks to all you that have tuned in tonight. We love you very much. I'm going to bless you, dear Father. In the name of the Lord, we bless this congregation of people that have tuned in tonight, whatever platform they tuned in. And God, one of the beautiful things about this scripture that Pastor Brad read is that the waters had to part before they walked in to find the boulders. So there had to be a miracle in their life, and they witnessed a miracle. And all God wanted them to do was take a boulder to share the miracle that you found this in the bottom of a river that used to flow heavy and high. But it, was been, it had been parted. And because you saw a miracle in your life, show your children that you're living a miraculous life. That is legacy. Yes. Carry it. Put it down. Let the children come and see the boulder that you carried out of that water. And let's have legacy lives. Yes. Let's have legacy homes. Yes. Let's have legacy families. And let's have a legacy church yes. right here at Christian Life Austin. Amen. We love you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. And we will see you Sunday. May God's favor and goodness and grace and mercy be upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great week.